Church, we're going to be uh, continuing in our sermon series that we started last week entitled, When Pigs Fly. And, and I'll give you a little background on that in case you weren't here last week. You know, we sit there and we'll hear statements being made or, or someone will say, like, this is going to happen. And someone will say, well, when pigs fly, it means you don't expect it to happen. That you're not looking for it to happen. And we're talking this whole month about miracles and the things that Jesus did. And sometimes we struggle, church, of recognizing a miracle when God is letting it take place. We're going to be talking about and appreciating the fantastic, maybe the crazy, even the outlandish miracles that really do happen. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, it says this, Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So church, I want you to think for a moment. I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't care. You can raise your hand. You can shout out. You can sit there and answer yourself. How many of you believe that our God, the one that we serve, has the power to touch a sick body and to make it well? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I absolutely and completely believe that he does. You know, if you look in the Old Testament, you see countless times of of miracles of someone being healed. And even if you look in the New Testament, church, there's over 30 different miracles that Jesus himself did to heal people. I mean, we've heard where he opened blind eyes, he healed deaf ears. We've talked about how he made the lame walk again, and even he rose, he, he brought someone back from the dead. You know, in Acts... There was a time when Paul was preaching. If you never heard this story before, he preached so long. Luke said this in his account. He said he went on into the night. So this dude was preaching long and hard. And Have you ever been bored with a sermon like in another church? <laughs> Make sure you remember that, okay? Well, Paul, see, Paul went on and on. And the Bible gives a recollection of a, a kid who fell asleep. And he fell out the window. And and this poor kid, he fell asleep and he fell right out the window. And Paul, though, he went to him, thankfully, and laid hands on him and brought him back to life. And then the most controversial church, the most controversial of all the miracles in the New Testament, when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, there's some biblical scholars believe that that right there is why Peter denied Jesus three times because he healed his mother-in-law. That's a joke. Thank you for the laugh. I appreciate it. No, but I really do, church. I believe in a God who still has the power to heal. In John chapter 14, if you'll look at this with me, please. John chapter 14, verse 12, it says this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. See, church, Jesus healed the sick. He did, he healed the sick, and I believe the same power that healed the sick during biblical times is the, is the same power that's alive and well today, healing people. Amen. See, and God does it through the prayers of his faithful people. You know, church, we serve a God. We do, we serve a God whom with all things are possible, right? All things are possible through the God we serve, a God who can do exceedingly, as the Bible tells us, and abundantly more than all you can ask, all you can think, and even all that you can imagine. That is the God that we serve. And we believe in a God who does miracles. But here's the question, church. Have you ever prayed for God? 
to do a miracle and heal someone. And he didn't. You know, church, sometimes we pray and we pray for God to heal and he doesn't. And sometimes, church, when, when you believe, sometimes when you believe that God can and he doesn't, what happens, it can make you be unsettled. It can shake you. I mean, it can even rock you. To where we ask those questions, right? Like, God, where are you at? Or, or God, like, I, I knew you could. So why is my nephew still sick? You know, I believe you can, God, but why is my daughter still suffering with, with depression? Or, or God, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And, and why did grandma pass away from cancer? I knew you could, God. Church, we ask ourselves, I knew you could, God. And a lot of people would conclude, and I see this happen, church. Well, God must not be real. Or he, he's not good. Or he cares for everybody but me. So how do we reconcile that, church? How do we follow a God that we know that he could, but he doesn't do what we think he should do? What we believe that he should do. So what I want to do today is I want to attempt to answer a few questions at the same time. Maybe I want to help build your faith in a God who hears our prayers. And I want to give you a truth today, church. If you get nothing out of this sermon today, I want you to get this, okay? Our God is a God who heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. It's true. We know that is true, and most of us have prayed for something, and it hasn't happened. I know that's happened personally to me. But most of us don't realize, we don't realize this is true, in scripture, to people who faithfully served God. Sometimes we just look at ourselves individually, but you can go all through God's word and you can see men, women who were extremely faithful to God and they prayed for it and they didn't get that healing. You know, Trophimus, it's Paul's friend. He's mentioned in the Bible quickly on the third missionary journey. This guy Trophimus, he, he got sick. And apparently, God didn't heal him because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. So right there, it's saying that, you know, who was this guy Trophimus, he was on a missionary journey with Paul, and, and they prayed for him, but you know what? He didn't get better. So they kind of left him behind, and, and they went about their business. God could have, but he didn't. And the same with Timothy, right? In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, we, we learn that Timothy had these really bad stomach issues. And God could have healed him, but he didn't because Paul gave Timothy this advice in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. He said this, stop drinking water only. Use a little wine because your stomach and your frequent illnesses. And then you've heard the story about Paul, right? Where Paul pleaded with God. He, the Bible says that he had a thorn in his flesh. He, he, he was struggling really bad. And we don't know for sure what it was. Some say it was his eyesight. Others say it was temptation. We don't know what. But Paul, the Bible says he pleaded three times. And church, when he pleaded, it wasn't like a 30-minute prayer session. Where three times in 30 minutes, he asked God. No, the word in the original text means that he was persistent in pursuit for three seasons. I'm talking, he prayed summer, fall, and winter. He didn't just ask him three times in a 30-minute session. 
He, he was constantly pleading with him to, to take it away from him. And imagine Paul, church. Imagine Paul, right? You know, he, he's like, I know you can. I've seen it. I've seen some really big stuff from you, God. So please, Lord, he just do this small thing for me. And what did God say to him? He said, no, I'm not going to heal you. And in this case, church, here's what God said to Paul. He said, I'm going to show you that my grace is sufficient for you. That I've given you grace, and that's really all you need. So God can. He often does. But when he doesn't, how do we deal with the church? How do we deal with it? Have you ever been around someone, we'll say it's a well, they are a well-meaning Christian? I'm talking about they, they come up to you and, and say things to you, and you're like, what did you just say? You know, they, they say things that maybe offend you. I mean, it could be as simple as like, what would you do to your hair? Yeah. Oh, thanks. I like it. I'm glad you do too. Anyways. But a well-meaning Christian, a lot of times they say hurtful things. You know, like if your wife is sick and they'll come up to you and like, hey, there's a reason that your wife's sick. It's because you got sin in your life. Mm, I've heard that before, church. Or, or maybe they say, if you didn't have this sin in your life, then maybe this wouldn't be going on. And I've heard this one huge in the church where, you know what? You just aren't praying right. You must not be praying properly or, or else your grandma would be getting better. Listen, church, we got to be careful what we say. We really do. We as believers in Jesus Christ, I'm talking a body of believers, we have to be very, very careful of what we say to people. Listen to me. you got to be careful what you say to people because you are representing the one true king. You have to understand that there can be consequences to these kind of statements. We have to be careful with it because a well-meaning Christian, what they can do is they can heap guilt on someone. They can heap condemnation on someone or, or, or maybe even just get that person to walk away. Because when God isn't doing something and we know that he could do it and we think that he should, because of a well-meaning Christian who said something, I'm just going to be honest, stupid. People will be so internally hurt that they walk away from God or maybe they even walk away from a fellowship of believers. So what do we do when a God that we know can but doesn't always do it? How do we let our, our faith grow and continue to ask him for miracles and, and to him to do things in our lives? Well, today what I want to do is I want to give you three reasons, church, three reasons why Jesus did not do some miracles in God's word. The very first one is this. Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. He refused to do miracles to prove himself. How many of you have done this in your life? A lot of times we do it when we're younger. Some of us have done it when we're a little older. Where we're praying like, God, you know what? If you do this one thing, if you will show me that you're real, I'll serve you all the rest of my life. And usually if God does it the rest of your life, you meant two months. It happens a lot. Like, God, if you just show me that you're real and you just do this, I'll serve you forever. Church, God doesn't play like that. That's not who he is. You know, it'd be much easier if he did, wouldn't it? It'd be really nice if he did it, but he doesn't. He's God, and he does what he wants. Because you know why, church? He knows better than us. We can't always comprehend that, comprehend that but he knows better than us. 
You know, in Mark chapter 8, church, if you'll look at this with me, Mark chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, it says this. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. <clears throat> so these guys are coming up to Jesus just to test him. Their hearts were wrong, by the way. Their hearts were completely wrong, and they were coming up to him, and they were trying to test him. They were asking for a sign from heaven. They said, you know what? If you are who you say you are, prove it. You show it to me. Show us that you are the son of God. And just picture this in verse 12. Jesus just sighing really deeply and says, oh, why does this generation always ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, he said, no sign will be given to it. Basically, Tony said, I ain't got to show you nothing. I don't have to prove nothing to you. I know who I am, and I say who I am, and that's who I am. I couldn't say that again. I promise you I couldn't. <laughs> but they were trying to test him. And, you know, he's saying, I, I don't have to do miracles to prove myself to you. I do miracles that are in line with the heart of God. I do the miracles that are in line with him. And so number one, Jesus didn't do miracles to prove himself. The second reason at times when Jesus didn't do miracles is this. Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. With God's ultimate plan, here's an example. There's an example I want to give you from God's word. It's where Jesus did a miracle in one moment, and then literally the very next moment, he withholds that miracle. It's a very powerful story. You've heard it before, especially around Easter, right? Jesus betrayed, I mean, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. So it was all laid out. He, he was going to bring the guard with him, Judas was, and, and these people came, and so Judas was to go up to Jesus and give him a kiss on the cheek. That's who he is. The guy I kiss, that's who the one you're going to get. And the guards will know he was, and they would haul him off. And you know how the story goes, right? Peter, he gets ticked. Peter gets ticked off. And he's like, you ain't doing that to my Jesus. <laughs> and he pulls his sword out, right? And he's aiming for that dude's head. He's got a bad aim, by the way. <laughs> and he got his ear. He cut the guy's ear off. So, so imagine Jesus going like, Peter, 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 come on. Are, are you serious? And then there's this whole thing like, all right, somebody got to find the ear now, right? The ear, it's probably in the bushes, and so they're looking for the ear, and Jesus puts the ear back on. I'm just, hey, I'm improvising a little bit, okay? And he puts the ear, and he, he finds the ear, and he puts it back on the dude's head, and he performs a miracle. And then he was, had a teaching moment with Peter, literally right after he had a teaching moment with Peter. He does a miracle and then immediately chooses not to do another one. Matthew chapter 26, if you'll look at this with me. Matthew chapter 26, 53 and 54 says this. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen right now? Jesus healed the guy's ears and immediately he told Peter, like, I could have took care of that if I wanted to. I could have took care of that. I could have sent thousands of angels down here to whisk me away and none of this would have happened, but that would go against what my heavenly father has intended. So when it withholds from God's plan, Jesus does not do that miracle. Even when the disciples, church, even when the disciples around him, they didn't understand 
And I believe you and I can relate. Man, there's times we ask God to do something and it makes sense to us, doesn't it? It makes complete sense. And when he doesn't, we don't always understand. I'm like, God, it, it's a no-brainer, right? Why, why can't you just do this? Why can't you just take care of this for us right now? Church, I want you to remember something. His ways are not like our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't even come close to understanding what it is that he's doing. So when did Jesus not do a miracle? Number one, to prove himself. Number two, to go against God's plan. And the third reason is this. Jesus didn't do a miracle of healing when there wasn't any faith. When there wasn't any faith. When Jesus went to his hometown, the Bible records it very clear. They weren't real impressed with him, church. When he went back to his hometown where he grew up, they they were not real impressed with him. You can just imagine for a moment, right? And that, that annoying kid, he was a carpenter's son. He come back here telling us how, how it's supposed to be, right? Isn't that the, the one who was the teacher's pet? Always oh, got all the answers, right? That Jesus kid. The Bible says he didn't do any miracles in his hometown. Why do you think that was? Matthew chapter 13, verse 58 says this. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Because of their lack of faith. See, we have to understand that our faith, church, moves the heart of God. Our faith moves the heart of God, and your faith matters to God. It completely matters to him. And when you pray, it touches the heart of God. It touches him. How many of you have ever had one of your children come up to you, and and they just look at you just real endearingly, and they're like, Mommy, I love you. And you just melt. And then you come back to reality because you think, okay, what do they want? (laughs) Right? But in the the slight chance that they don't want anything and they're really just having that moment with you. Like, they're just like, I really love you. I love you better than Pop-Tarts. And, you know, they're telling you how much they love you. And and you're responding and it just melts your heart. And it just, uh, it's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? How much more do you think your heavenly father responds when you have faith and you pray to him. When you're saying, because man, when we're supposed to pray, right? You're supposed to tell him how good he is. You, Lord, I thank you for everything. You are amazing. You are an awesome God. I appreciate who you are and what you've done to me. And, and you know how that makes your heavenly father feel. It moves him, church. And when you pray, it touches the heart of God. I want to give you three examples of that, exactly how that works. And the first one is this. You know, you've heard the story. I believe you have the woman who couldn't stop bleeding for 12 years, right? She's embarrassed. She's in pain. She, she's unceremonial clean. She's ceremonially unclean. Jesus walks by, and this woman thinks, like, if I could just reach out and touch the edge of his coat, I believe I can be healed by that. So there's Jesus walking along, and this girl, she just reaches out, and she touches the end of his coat. And because he's Jesus, like, whoa, who touched my coat? He recognized the fact that that someone touched his coat. And in Mark chapter 5, church, in Mark chapter 5, verse 34, he said this, daughter, your faith has healed you. 
just because she had that much faith in him that she was healed. Then we know the story, right? The man with leprosy, he falls to the feet. He falls at Jesus' feet and he begins to worship him. In Luke 17, verse 19, he says this, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And the blind man who screams out, I can't see you, Lord, but I can hear you. And I know you are there. Have mercy on me. In Mark chapter 10, verse 52, what did Jesus say? He said, go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Church, our faith moves the heart of God. In all the gospels, think about this for a minute. In all the gospels, Jesus was only ever amazed by one thing. There was only one thing that, that blew him away. There was only one thing that just, just impressed him. And you know, church, what that was. What amazed Jesus? Our faith. That's what amazes Jesus Christ. The story of the Roman centurion, right? He had a, a sick servant. And he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. You just say a word. If you would just say a word, you don't even have to see my servant. You don't have to touch my servant. You don't have to walk in that direction. All you have to do is say the word, and he will be healed. And Jesus said the word, and he was healed. And I love what Jesus said after that. He said this. He said, I have never seen faith like this before. That this dude knew who he was. He said, you ain't got to come to my house. You ain't got to even look my direction. You don't have to touch nothing. All you got to do is say it. He had that kind of faith, church. So when it comes to your faith, I want you to think about yourself personally this morning. You're sitting here this morning. When it comes to your faith, would Jesus be amazed at your faith? Seriously, would he look at you and just be like, wow, that's awesome. Look at the faith that that person had. I mean, even look at your prayers this week, church, where, where you've prayed, and I hope that you have. Where you prayed in your prayers this week, what, what did you ask for, church? What was it that you were seeking out? What was it, was it big? I mean, God intervening? That you were asking him to do something, just blowing it away? Or was it, you know, God bless my food, keep my kids safe? Is that all we have faith for, church? Just something that small? Like, God, thanks for my food, and just make sure my kids are okay. Is your faith bigger than that? What are you praying for, church? Is that all we have faith for? See, something that amazed Jesus was powerful, strong faith. That's what amazed our Jesus. And see, our faith, when it's at the lower end, because listen, our relationship with Christ, right? Whether you're sitting here or whether you're watching at home, our relationship with Christ, it goes up and down, man. It's like a roller coaster. Some of you guys, you get sick. It goes up and down so fast. You're getting motion sickness because today you are on cloud nine, right? You're on the mountaintop high and look at what my God's doing. And then tomorrow you're clear down here like, where are you at, Lord? The very next day, you're back up there again. Our relationship with God, that's exactly how it works. There's ups and downs with it. And when our faith is at the lower end, I want you to think for a minute, is it like a heartbreaking, insulting faith? Like, are you, are you really hurting God? Where, where God's kind of look, looking at you saying, is that all you believe? Is that it? Is that all you believe in me? Church, faith moves 
our God. Faith moves our God. Jesus was so encouraging that he said this, if there is a mountain in your life that needs to be moved, you just have to have the faith of a mustard seed. Right, church? Mustard seed is small, tiny seed. He said you have to have that kind of faith. But if we have faith in his direction, church, it moves us hard. But in other words, in other words, church, your faith may sometimes seem really strong. I mean, really strong. But in other times... You're struggling bad, aren't you? I think we've all been there. We're struggling really bad, and, and here's the wild part. God loves you so much, church. He's, he loves you enough to work with the faith that you have. He's willing to work with what you have for that moment. Your faith might be small like a mustard seed. He's like, that's okay. I want you to build that faith. I want you to grow in your faith, church. But he's willing to work with that with you. You know, I love the story in the book of Mark, the story of the dad who was in agony. He was, the dad was in agony because his son was hurting. And you know what, church, for anyone here who has children, your heart bleeds when your kids are hurting. I used to think, like, man, once they're 18 and they're moving out, I ain't going to worry about it. I think it bleeds even more when it's hard to raise adult children, isn't it? <laughs> Your heart bleeds even more for your kids. And when you see them suffering and you see them struggling and you're just like, oh man, I can't bear this. This is awful. In the book of Mark, his son was in agony. We talked about this last week. And it says that he'd been thrown into a fire by demons and his dad is desperate, church. He's desperate. He wants to believe that Jesus can help. But you know what? He doesn't want to get his hopes up. He wants to believe that he can help, but he got to want to get his hopes up too high. And so he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, if, if you can do anything, please do this. And that word there, if you can. If he can. Church, he can do anything. And Jesus' response was, you know, anything is possible for those who believe. And you notice the word he said, possible. In Mark chapter 9, verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Church, how many times have you said, I believe God can do this? And as you're praying it, then the little thing in the back of your head is going like, yeah, I don't know if he can. You're like, Lord, I know you can do this. I don't know if you can. Right? We, we, we have that, that torturous thought process going on in our minds and even in our hearts. And, and Jesus is telling them right there. He's saying anything is possible for those who believe. And then and me and the boy's father, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Listen, church, it's hard like that, right? It's kind of like he's like, you know, I, I do believe, but I'm still human. God knows who you are. He, he's, that man is kind of going like, you know, I've seen you do before, and I think, I think you can do it for my son, but I'm unsure. And Jesus, church, Jesus looks at him with a loving understanding of his imperfect faith. A loving understanding of recognizing where he is. Church, listen to me this morning. Our faith isn't based on what God does. If this is where your faith is at right now, you need, to, you need to reevaluate. Our faith isn't based on what God does. It is based on who God is. 
It's not just about what he does for you, but it's about who he is. Our faith cannot be based on what God does in the immediate moment or in a specific request. It can't be about that. It has to be something bigger than that. Often, he'll do exactly what we're asking. Sometimes he really shows off too, doesn't he? He blows you away like, whoa. But other times in ways that you and I don't understand. It's kind of like, I don't have to prove myself. Or that would be easy, but you know what? I understand what you're asking for, but I've got something eternal. Something eternal going on right now. And the, the thoughts, my thoughts are way higher than your thoughts. My understanding of this situation is way bigger than your understanding. Church, we're all a little bit self-centered, aren't we? We always think that everything revolves around us, right? You know somebody like that. Maybe you're that person. If you don't know anyone like that, you believe the sun rises and sets on you. Everything is there for you. It's not that way. Do you realize sometimes God might be doing something or not doing something, and it has nothing to do with you, even though you're affected by it? It's to show somebody else something. You're just like on the side. You're not the main attraction. You're not the center of the ring. It's for somebody else. And we have to understand that his ways are higher than our ways. And that he could be doing something eternal right now that you don't understand. And even though it might hurt, church, even though it might grieve you, even though, church, it might make you question the goodness of God, we've still got to trust in his goodness. We have to. We have to trust in his goodness because our faith isn't based on what he's doing in the moment. Our faith, church, is based on what he did at the cross. That's where your faith lies. Our faith cannot be on the results of the miracles that we ask for. They can't be. Our faith is based on the character of our God. Our faith is based on the goodness of our God who sacrificed his one and only son. He sacrifices one and only son. And so when God sent Jesus, church, his highest purpose wasn't for Jesus to heal our bodies. That is not what he was sent here for. He was sent to save our souls. One of the most profound things I heard at the Bible college in one of the classes I was taking, and, and Don Cooper, the professor, he made this statement. He said, you know what we always do? We pray for everything, everybody's physical healing. We pray for God, you know, heal Janie's broken leg. But Janie's going to hell because she has never accepted Christ. We, we, we're so worried about the physical of what you can see, about what you can feel, and what you can hear. We're so worried about the physical that we're not paying attention to the eternal. He said that we should be praying first and foremost for somebody's salvation before you ever even approach the throne room of God and ask him to fix that broken leg. We got it backwards, church, because Jesus did not come with the high purpose of healing our bodies. He did some, right? But that wasn't his main purpose. He was sent to save our souls. He came to seek and save the lost. 
You know, there's a story of the paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2. You, you've heard the story before, right? Jesus kind of got this Bible study going on inside this house. He's preaching to these people. And then there's these guys that come along, and their friend, he's, he's sick. I mean, he, he cannot walk. He's lame. And they can't get in there to get in front of Jesus. So Jimmy, the one friend, he said, I got an idea. Let's go up on the roof. We'll bust a hole in that roof. We'll lower him right down. Jesus is going to see him because we're going to put him right in front of him. So these guys go up there, break a hole in the roof. They're lowering him down. I can only imagine that scene. I've tried to lower somebody down. Something. It's not pretty. He's probably, you know, teetering, going down, all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly, listen, he got right in front of Jesus. His friends lowered him down, and they got right in front of Jesus. And this guy, the very first thing that Jesus said to him, he said this, your sins are forgiven. He didn't look at him and say, you know what, I'm going to heal you right now. No. He looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. And then he said the second thing was this, take your mat up and get walking. Fix that roof and then you walk out of here. I'm kidding. Seriously, first, your sins are forgiven. Second, you are now healed. He came with a purpose, church, to not heal our bodies, but to save our souls. Now, I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert this morning, church. If God heals you of a sickness, if you've been blessed, and I know a lot of miracles, I've seen that, where if God heals you of a sickness, guess what? I hate to break it to you today, but guess what? You're still going to die. You are. When, when he healed Lazarus, right, he, when he brought him back from the dead, the next time Lazarus died, that was on him. He did it one time. That was it. He, he got healed one time, and then he still died. And the same is for us. We're still going to die, but Jesus' highest purpose isn't what happens to your body until you're 70 or 80 years old or however long you get on this earth. His highest purpose for us, church, in this life is that we glorify him, that we glorify him. I'm not telling you that you can't pray for a miracle. You do that. You pray with your faith, church. And I believe that we serve a God who still does miracles. And so this morning as we're sitting here and I call the praise team up, maybe there's someone here today that you're struggling in your faith. I remember when my nephew passed away. He was three years old. And we prayed hard is a family. And I remember one of those certain kind of Christians came up and told my family, you guys didn't have enough faith. Brutal. My nephew, I think he'd be 33 years old if he lived today. He died when he was three. But it rattled us. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're struggling with your faith. Maybe because you had a sickness and, and, and you didn't get healed the way you wanted to be. Maybe you lost somebody that, man, you prayed hard with everything you got and you still lost them. I want to remind you, church, that God is still in control. He still loves you and he still wants you to know him in a very intimate way. He didn't abandon you and he's still there for you. You don't give up on praying for another miracle. 
you look for what it is that God is doing, but I want you to realize something. We do serve a God that still does miracles. And and maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching at home, and you honestly need a miracle in your life. Maybe you've got a sickness going on, and and I want to encourage you. We're going to get ready to pray for some people. You come up front. Maybe you've got a loved one in your life. I mean, they're down and out. They're hurting. Maybe they're they're physically sick, whatever it might be. You want to come up and ask for prayer for them. You do that. Also, I want you to know that God doesn't just heal bodies. God heals hearts. Maybe you're brokenhearted this morning. God can heal that broken heart. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're a victim. Someone did something awful to you. And you need healing in your soul. I want you to know he still does that too. Maybe you need to be prayed for this morning. And church, I want to encourage you. You come forward. Let someone pray with you. Stop bearing that burden alone. The Bible says this, right? That God hears the prayers of a righteous man or woman. He'll hear those prayers. And we still have to have faith of who he is. But last but not least, maybe this morning, you need prayer desperately for the highest purpose that Jesus came to this earth. And it's for salvation that you literally don't know Jesus personally. I'm talking about if you take your last breath on earth tonight, that you really and truly don't know where you're going to go. And I want you to know, church, you have to be confident. It's all right to say, I know where I'm going. You don't have to say, I hope I make it to heaven. (laughs) There ain't none of that. That's work stuff right there. I'm talking about you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You admitted who you are as a sinner. You struggled. And you tried so hard to live the life that God called you to. But you kept failing. But maybe it's because you were doing it in your own power, church. So this morning, you need a higher power to help you. And so I want to encourage you. You come forward. You give your heart to Jesus Christ. Let somebody pray for you. We'll walk you through it. That's what we're here for. So how about it, church? As we stand together and sing, I really want to encourage you. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, saying, you need prayer, I want you to come forward. Kim, the elders. Jeff, he'll be up here. You can be prayed for, so how about it? Let's stand together and let's sing. I really want to encourage you to respond this morning.